You're listening to the following program on TFN Audio from the Fantasy Network, where independent creators and fans of fantasy, sci-fi, horror, and gaming meet to create, stream, and support the shows that they love. Creator-distributed, fan-supported, that's TFN. Find this and many more great programs at watch.thefantasy.network slash audio. 7. When they returned an hour later, most of the cop cars were gone. Only Inspector Charles stood in the parking lot, along with a single cruiser and two uniformed officers. When Jim and Mercedes drew closer, he walked up to them, pulling a plastic bag out of his pocket. Let's go sit in the car, if you don't mind. I don't like to do this out in the open. Jim led the way to his car and they got in. Mercedes in the shotgun seat and Charles in the back. He leaned forward between the seats, passing the bag to Jim. There's gloves in there, too. Don't take the nails out of the bag without him. The last thing we need is your prints on those things. Jim snapped on the thin gloves and pulled out the first nail. He examined it carefully, holding it up to his eyes. Do you know a lot about metallurgy that you're not telling me, Jim? Mercedes asked. No, I'm trying to see if there's a maker's mark somewhere, or... Jim gasped, as if someone had hit him in the stomach with a fist. A stream of sensory input suddenly flooded his mind, flowing out of the nail and into his hands. A dark room, glowing fire, like a forge. It was hard to see the details, but he could see black shapes in front of the fire. Another room, bright and white, People looking at paintings on the walls. No, not paintings, drawings. Cartoons. The arcade. The boy being put on the beam. The nails driven through him, screaming as they pierced his flesh. The alley, the dumpster. The little girl with the bloody angel wings. A face. Blonde hair, blue eyes, a handsome smile. Glasses. On his neck, a tip of something that looked like a bird's wing, but wasn't. His face and glasses smeared with streaks of blood, but still smiling. 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 Jim! Mercedes's voice seemed to bring him out of his trance. He gasped. What the hell is wrong with you? She asked, her hand holding his shoulder in a firm grip. She had obviously been shaking it hard. Charles had gotten out of the car and opened the front door, bending down to look him in the eyes. You looked like you had a seizure, Mercedes continued. Are you okay? I don't know. Jim cleared his throat and ran a hand over his face. He needed a cigarette desperately. I take back what I said before. I think the killer made those nails himself. I think... Somehow, he knew I would find this nail, me or someone like me. He sent a message through it. A message? In a nail? Charles shook his head, but Jim's facial expression convinced him he was serious. Ever heard of psychometrics, Roger? Some people get psychic flashes from touching other people's things. I've never been able to do anything like that but I'm pretty sure that is what it would feel like. This nail was imbued with psychic pictures. 
I saw visions of both crime scenes and of the killer himself. I also saw a third place, a museum or gallery or something. People were looking at cartoons on the walls in frames. The cartoon art museum? Charles asked. I don't know, I've never been there, but if there is such a place, then I think we might either find another body there or someone else will be killed there. We've got to check it out right away. Mercedes held up her hand. Jim, seriously, that's exactly what he wants us to do. If you're right, if he left that for you to find, don't you think it's a trap to lure you there? Maybe, but I can take care of myself. Well, you're not going there without backup. I'll call dispatch, Charles said. I suppose I could say we got a tip. He looked like he had aged ten years, and as if Jim was the cause of it. I'm not sure I should tell them where the tip came from, though. If your boss gets this guy, I don't think he will care where it came from. Where is this museum? Mission Street. Why don't I drive? You look like you're ready to keel over. Jim nodded. He felt weak, drained of energy. Sometimes when he had conversations with more powerful spirits, he could feel tired afterwards. But he had never felt anything like this. Whatever power he had used, or had used him, had taken its toll. After he and Charles swapped places, Charles turned the key and the car began moving up the hill. As they moved through the city, Jim noticed the direction they were going. This is Market Street. Yeah, Mission is only a block or so off Market. Maybe the guy lives in that area. Jim, who lived on Market Street, nodded to himself. Somehow that would be fitting. Two immortals on the same street. Charles parked the car in front of the building housing the Cartoon Art Museum. It didn't look like much of a museum. In fact, it looked like a converted apartment building. Charles turned the engine off and got out. Mercedes did likewise. Jim took a deep breath before opening the back door and getting out. He felt better and more clear-headed after resting on the ride but still didn't feel like his usual self. He felt like he had worked a full night of overtime back in his days in the police force. The museum was obviously open, even though it was past the normal closing hour. Inside, the lights were on and people in evening wear were moving back and forth. It must be a show opening or something. Mercedes looked at the glass door and the posted flyers there. It says here, Today they display the art of Michael Chang, Famous for the comic series The Tempter, The Dark Angel, The Morning Star, and Fight for Heaven. Invite a guest only. I guess we forgot our invitations. Jim opened the door and stepped inside. The room was bustling with people walking back and forth. A buffet table was set against one wall, and the festively dressed guests were obviously making good use of it, as well as the small bar next to it. Jim spotted several waiters wearing jackets which looked like tuxedos in front, but had cartoon characters cavorting on the back of them. The rest of the crowd was all in expensive-looking suits and dresses. I feel so underdressed, Mercedes mumbled into Jim's ear. I knew I should have worn my Jimmy Choo shoes to work today. You would have thrown up on them. Oh, right. The noise level in the room was loud but not intolerable. Jim looked around. 
trying to see if you could catch a glimpse of the man from his vision. If that was the right word to use, he wondered. His eyes scanned the crowd but saw no one he recognized. Charles stepped up to his side and also looked around. Spread out, Jim said. Look for a guy with blonde hair and glasses. Looks kind of like a friendly Nazi. If you see him, don't take him on. Get the rest of us, and watch your backs. This guy is dangerous. Do we even know what he's going to do here? Mercedes asked. No idea. I didn't see the actual thing, just the room. Jim moved towards the center of the room, while Mercedes headed towards the buffet and the bar. She pulled her overcoat off and slung it over her arm, blending a little more in with the crowd. Charles went the opposite way, looking at the groups of people standing around and watching the pictures on the wall. The museum was laid out in several floors, and stairs led from the lobby to the rooms above. Jim decided to take the stairs on the right, and it brought him to a long white room he remembered well from his vision. He looked around, expecting to see the psycho behind him waiting, but there was no one. The room had only a handful of people in it, all studying the pictures and conversing. Jim felt his heart pounding as he moved slowly through the room, looking left and right. What did this mean? He was here like the vision had showed him, but now what? He looked at the cartoons framed on the walls. Obviously, it was all Michael Chang's work in this room, since they all look similar. The biggest picture was an enlargement of a drawing of a demonic-looking character holding a sword made of flames. The sword was raised in a triumphant gesture, making the demon look like Arthur pulling Excalibur from the stone. Jim's eyes were drawn to it, almost unable to take them off it. He read the caption underneath, stating that this was Lucifer grabbing Michael's flaming sword from the Fight for Heaven trilogy. Lucifer. Flaming sword. Jim fumbled out his cigarettes and lit one, making people around him stare at him with angry eyes. He didn't care, never having been one to follow the obsessive anti-tobacco laws the country had passed these last few years. He inhaled deeply and looked at the picture again. Lucifer taking Michael's sword. If he remembered the Sunday school he had attended in the early years of the 20th century, Michael had banished Lucifer from heaven. It had not been the other way around. He even remembered reading Milton's Paradise Lost at some point, finding it both contrived and boring, but with the same end result. The angels always won. The children the killer had so far slain had been made into symbolic heavenly symbols. The crucifixion, the angel. Was this the opposite? Was he trying to find something that symbolized a demon? He turned his head, looking at the pictures on the walls in turn. They all showed the demons triumphant in one way or another. Some showed them standing over slain angels. One showed a demon sitting on what he assumed was God's throne. A series of three showed demons burning down the Garden of Eden and slaughtering Adam and Eve, all showing the demons being triumphant. Jim felt a chill run through his body. What if that was exactly what the killer wanted to show him, a demon being triumphant? His inner alarm bells began ringing louder and louder. 
Something was definitely wrong with this. Mercedes had called it a trap. But what if it wasn't just a trap for him? What if it was a killing field and trap all in one? He had time to take another three steps toward the stairs, before the entire room exploded in a fiery inferno. <laughs> <laughs>